Shoot up, Alex. There we go. Start. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. This week... 2001 a space odyssey have i got that the right way around i think so yeah. okay mm-hmm. well just like 2001 a space odyssey we are the ultimate trip the trip to the toilet if <laughs> you have a severe case of nausea <laughs> anyway you've undersold us a bit <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't sure whether you were just getting your arguments in really early <laughs> Maybe, maybe I am, maybe I am. Uh, so if you've never listened to this show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. However, there'll be a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans, including a caption contest, a quiz, some terrible impressions, some awful xylophone playing, and a whole host of banter. So please do stick around. Uh, before we go on to the bulk of the show, just to say that the last film that we put on trial was Romeo and Juliet. I was going to say William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, but I think everyone pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> should know that. Bad uh, so I was the judge for that episode, and I decided that Romeo and Juliet should be placed on the hit list. I've since gone back and watched the film. Did I make the right decision? Well, I think you'll be happy, Alex. I think it did make the right decision. You did. I actually really enjoyed it, to be honest. Who, who was arguing against it again? Joel. Me. Okay, so you were probably lying anyway, so it doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> so no one likes your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, thank you very much. Okay, so before we go on to the real bulk of the show, I think we all should better just sit around and talk a little bit about the news. It's an iconic one. Gav. I, I know, hang on, hang on, I've got it, I've got it, man. I've you got can do this, do it. Gav. Oh, <laughs> ignore, <laughs> ignore the message tone, hang on, hang on. This is high quality. Joel, stop messaging Gav while he's trying to play <laughs> on his phone. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Spot, spot on that. Close, close. Near enough, near enough. You get one more at the end of the news, Gav. <laughs> okay, so what we do here is we all go around in a circle and we talk about the most newsworthy topics of the week. So without further hesitation, I think, Joel, you wanted to talk about a little trailer that's just come out recently. Yeah, so the uh, the Captain Marvel trailer dropped this week. It's done pretty well in terms of views. I think it's the 11th most viewed trailer of all time already. All time? Of all time. Uh, it, I think it, it just goes to show how, how kind of, uh, you know, hyped people are for the film. Yeah. I think part of it, though, to be fair, is to do with the fact that she will play a big part in, in the next Infinity War and obviously, um, you know, defeating Thanos and stuff. But, you know, I watched the trailer... And I honestly can't really remember much stuff that happened in it. Didn't really blow me away. I mean, I'm sure the film will be good, but I don't think the trailer left uh, a lasting impression on me anyway. Well, I think it's it's the first trailer, isn't it? So it's not going to reveal too much. It's holding its cast quite close to its chest. It did have Samuel Jackson, though, sort of rebooted Samuel Jackson. It did, it, it did. So so they've used this sort of de-aging CGI before they've, they've done it for Kate Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2. He did it for Prince, well, Carrie Fisher in Rogue One. Yeah. And that other guy. And Robert Downey Jr. a little bit. 
Uh, Are we going to name every film where a character's been de-aged? <laughs> this is the quiz. So, <laughs> but um, apparently it costs quite a bit of money, and that's why we've only seen it quite briefly. So the scenes that we've seen it in have only been about like two minutes long. I thought they had to use uh, an, a younger actor who had like similar bone structure and stuff like that because they used uh, this Canadian model for Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy, oh, really? and they just put Kurt Russell's features on top of him. But they have to have the same like face shape and bone structure and what have you. So it seems it's quite complicated. Have they done the same thing with Samuel? Or? Well. He's in it for the entirety of the film, really, as well. So it'd be very interesting if, if they it's have just in every scene in the background. <laughs> so one thing that did happen in the in the trailer, which you might not have seen, is there's a bit where Carol Danvers is is on the bus. Sorry, uh, Captain Marvel, and it looks like she just chins an old lady. She does. <laughs> yeah. that, that Who hasn't surprising. thought about doing that though? So I know. Yeah, I mean, always <laughs> getting on the buses, taking our seats. Exactly. You know what? What that would have been. When was the last time you even stepped on? A <laughs> not with those old women knocking about <laughs> so so that could be that uh, the old lady is in fact a scroll who is supposedly the bad guys from the film well you, you'd hope so and she doesn't just oh yeah or, <laughs> she's in a pension or the alternative is <laughs> it would be better she got it wrong yeah, yeah I, I think i think one of the reasons that it's the well the 11th most popular or downloaded trailer of all time also is that it's marvel's first solo female superhero film Film, and I think people are just genuinely geared up for, for seeing it. I think it's a, it's about time, to be honest. Oh, we're 20 films in now or something? Yeah, yeah, it's around about that, isn't it? So, yeah, I mean, DC have done it. Maybe they were waiting for DC to test the waters to see how successful theirs have been. And I think Wonder Woman is probably one of the most successful DC DCEU, is it called? I think it's comfortably the, isn't it? Is it, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anything else has come close. So, yeah, so... Mainly because it's not shit. <laughs> yeah, that, that tends to help. So, okay, moving on, talking about the DCEU, uh, Joel, I think you wanted to talk a little bit about another piece of news as well that directly relates to that. Is it the, the Joker news? It is, yeah. Yeah, so uh, there's been a new picture of uh, Joaquin Phoenix as well in, in new Joker makeup, which... Um, it wasn't what I was expecting, but I like it. It's a little bit of a fresh twist on the character, and I think I can't remember who it was that came out, whether it was the creator of the of the uh, of the character or not. But somebody in the DC universe, anyway, came out and said that they uh, they really like it as well. I think it's quite refreshing how open they're being about this because usually they'd be very very secretive, wouldn't they, and only have a few teasers quite close to the release of the film. But it seems that Todd Phillips is just releasing footage and, and snapshots quite daily at this rate. He doesn't really seem asked. I don't know whether it's because he's generating a buzz or whether he's just taking the bitter, horrible taste of <laughs> Suicide Squad out of everybody's mouth. But, I mean, Dave, I don't know if you've seen the quick a bit of footage, but it looks like uh, Joaquin Phoenix is wearing this sort of classic Joker outfit that Cesar Romero wore in the original Batman TV Yeah, series. I'm actually just looking at it right now. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. It, it's kind of gone back... It's kind of a nod to the fans isn't it it's kind of it's kind of for them i think it's uh, going back to the old cat classic adam west kind of feel of everything you know kind of which is an odd direction you wouldn't really think that's the direction to take but they are brave. kind of going they have said this is an origin story yeah so maybe it's a deliberate thing to kind of go back to basics as it maybe were, you know? in like the first half an hour he goes to a tattoo parlor and gets damaged on <laughs> 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 well, speaking about that, Joel, uh, David Ayer, who is the director of Suicide Squad and writer, he has come out today and said that he really regrets 
having the Joker have a damaged tattoo on his forehead. Uh, anything else he regrets about Suicide Squad? No, apparently that's that's it so <laughs> far. <laughs> hopefully, just top of the list. Ho- yeah, hopefully this is a chain reaction, and, <laughs> and every day for the next year he just <laughs> I, names I, I, another thing that he regrets yeah, about good, that film. He's, he's got a good decade's worth. Uh, yeah, he's got a good list to be working through. Um, so before we move on, I think Alex, you wanted to have you actually actually got got one this week? I should say, got what? A film films? <laughs> yeah. I'm always prepared, thank okay, you. Okay, well, you're always prepared. So, everybody, here's Alex's film feels. Thank you. Uh, this week, it's 2001 A Space Odyssey, Stanley Kubrick. So, what's everyone's favourite Stanley Kubrick film? He didn't make a ton. What's your fave? I think we should ask Austin first. <laughs> Don't ask me first. <laughs> I, uh, Are you th- furiously IMDb? Furiously Googling, yeah, yeah. I was, uh... Yeah, I don't know any of these films. <laughs> well, while Austin does so, I think Paths of Glory is no, probably yeah, my favourite. It very is good choice. possibly the perfect war film. Haven't you brought yes. that up? In that it makes you... Actually. Yeah, a few times. It, it, it comes up quite a lot. It's one of my favourite films, and it is the perfect anti-war film, because you come away angry, yeah, which not, not a lot yeah. of war films do. So I've just... I've Googled, and I've, I've seen Full Metal Jacket, so I've seen that. That's a start. Why Austin does that's this? Automatically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least he's got the, the right yeah. director. We were speaking yeah. about this beforehand, <laughs> and he mentioned The Incredible Hulk, and then he realised that he got Stanley Kubrick <laughs> confused with Ang Lee. No, well, I thought he was Stanley. Oh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And obviously, I was still wrong. So, <laughs> so Joel, what's yours? Uh, probably Full Metal Jacket, to be honest. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan. I've never quite seen the hype with a few of the films. I think a lot of them are uh, a little bit kind of hipstery, especially things like Clockwork Orange. Um, but, you know, I do appreciate the films all the same. So, yeah, probably Full Metal Jacket. I think that's the most kind of, well, less out there. Out More of the conventional, of yeah. yeah. A little bit hipstery. I wonder if that's going to come back at some point during this episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Will it? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think my favourite uh, by a long stretch is The Shining. Oh, I really, really like that. I think he went in a really bold, different direction. What age were you when you watched The Shining? Like probably about <laughs> five or six. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably about six. Uh, I mean, that's all right, Joel. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah. um, we weren't all scared by Hocus Pocus. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Um, so yeah yeah I, I really liked it I think he went in a different direction from the novel and it paid off I mean I don't think Stephen King feels that way but I think it, it did I think it's got some fantastic performances in there and pretty iconic horror film isn't it exactly well? yeah yeah you would Those struggle scenes. to find um, a, a better horror film maybe yeah. or controversial statements controversial I would say my favourite was probably Spartacus to be honest oh. it's a bit I, I, I did want to say Paths to Glory but mm. I fucking love Spartacus I, I think that's up there with one of the best films ever made. Like actors, music, everything just spot on in that film. So, yeah. Don't you sometimes walk around in your boxer shorts pretending you're Spartacus? <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't know? <laughs> I mean, no. Who doesn't? No comment. Is that where the um, I am Spartacus comes from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I'm all over this. The Roman general demands to know who Spartacus is. They all claim to be Spartacus because he's going to crucify him. I wouldn't have done that. I'd have said, You're Spartacus. <laughs> if they all turned around yeah. and pointed at the Roman general and said, You're Spartacus, what is man going to do? I know, kill him. There you go. That would have solved everything. The benefits of Later on, when they were all hanging on the crosses, they must have been fucking. If they could have killed themselves, they would have been kicking themselves. You're Spartacus. That makes more sense. You're Spartacus. Oh, nuts. Oh, we should have done that, yo. Yeah. Ah, okay. well. well. Thank you very much for that, guys. Thank you very much. Hang on, hang on. I'll try it again. 
No, oh, yeah. 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 you got it. Right, okay. Well, you don't sound so surprised. Huh? <laughs> 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 One out of forty ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so as I said before, if you've never heard this uh, show, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. This week it is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Now, all of these films are usually picked out of the hat at random. However, this week we've decided to go for one of Alex's favourite films. That's right, isn't it? Or, uh, no, is actually, this... it was IMDb's top 250, and we did a random oh, yeah. out of it. All right, mate, okay. All right, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on a high from playing the xylophone, right? Sorry. Don't bring me back down to earth, man. Okay, so yeah, what we did is we went on IMDb, and we picked a random number, and it was 2001 A Space Odyssey. All of the roles, however, have been randomised, and in the role of defence this week, as you might have guessed, is going to be Alex, and his mm-hmm. role is to try and get this film placed on the hit list. I am going to be playing the part of the prosecution, trying to get this film condemned to the shit list, and then we've got, uh, I've forgotten now, uh, show hands, Joel and Austin are going to be playing the character witnesses. Based off of, wait, wait, okay. Xylophone <laughs> <laughs> okay. was a long time ago, wasn't it? It was, it was, man, yeah. Dave and Austin are going to be playing the character witnesses mm-hmm. and lending their genuine opinion about the film, trying to throw a bit of weight behind either side of the argument, which means Joel is in the most important role this week. He's playing the judge. He's going to listen to the arguments and decide which list the film should be placed on based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. So, without further hesitation, I think we should give the audience a bit of an idea as to what this film is about and we should spin the wheel of impressions okay so it's landed on alex Uh, so what we do here is we read out the synopsis of the film but we do it in the style of oh well it's gotta gotta be be hal it's gotta be hal gotta be hal okay right so alex you've got to read out the synopsis in the style of hal 9000 please A space opera spanning the dawn of man to humanity reaching the stars, 2001 A Space Odyssey tells the story of a black monolith, humanity's evolution, and the rise of AI's ultimate supercomputer, Hell 9000. Sounds just like your Donnie Darko. I thought that was It was very good, though. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Well done, man. I thought that was quite good. Best one, yeah. Well done. Cheers. Okay, so, um, yeah, without further hesitation... So Alex is just looking around so confused as to why people are being nice to him for a change. Uh, Joel, would you like to kick off proceedings, please? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to run a uh, tight spaceship this week. Ooh, good one. Um, so who wants to go first? Uh, okay, so I'm going to go with Gav then. Okay. okay, right. So there's a word that's used quite a lot on this podcast, and that's pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I thought that was my word. <laughs> now, there's been some instances when that description has been pretty apt, and there's been other times when perhaps it's been used incorrectly. However, if you were to look up the word pretentious in the dictionary, then there would be a still of this movie glaring back at you. I know that Brucey is going to crow on about the visuals and how great they are in this film film and i'm not going to disagree with that but there has to be something more than pretty visuals to a film and unfortunately this film has very little else to offer don't get me wrong there is a story here but it is so basic and it takes so long to get going and there is so much stalling that you completely lost interest by by the time the bizarre ending has reared its ugly giant space baby head this film starts with an uncomfortably long blackout it takes about two Two minutes before we even hear any music and about five minutes before we actually see anything other than complete darkness and this is unfortunately a reoccurring theme it takes well over 25 minutes before we 
actually hear any dialogue. Uh, about after 10 minutes of drawn out expository dialogue, there's another 15 or so minutes of visuals with zero dialogue. In fact, if you add up all of the screen time without dialogue, it totals 88 minutes. 88 minutes, that's half of the total screen time with, with just zero dialogue, no character development or plot adv- advancement, just lots of pretty visuals displayed to some pleasant, pleasant music. And at first, it is pretty impressive, especially when you consider it was created 50 years ago. But it is relentless. What starts off as impressive quickly becomes tedious, and with no story or dialogue, you quickly lose interest in the film. It's like asking somebody to see a picture of their recent holiday, and they present you with a 400-slide presentation. Now, the music I mentioned before is absolutely fantastic, but literally anybody can take a grandiose piece of classical music and play it over some nice visuals. Should we really be applauding Kubrick for the fantastic words of Richard and Johann Strauss. The only other music to speak of sounds like a collection of wet glasses being rimmed next to a beehive, which... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, hang on. Is that really an analogy anyone is going to have, is going to get? Like, has anyone been... Sorry, say that analogy again. It's like a collection of wet glasses being rimmed next to a beehive. When is, has that ever happened to you? I, like, it doesn't have to happen. Do like, bees get angry when they're no, wet glasses? You can imagine that. You can imagine stuff. Here, see, here we go. <laughs> I, I stand corrected. <laughs> Go in, <you're> <laughs> <laughs> now, now, those hideous beehive sounds massively contrast from the beautiful and grandiose classical music. Then there is not much else with regards to music. So there's large parts where there aren't. There isn't even a bit of music at all, which makes the many long, drawn-out sections even more tedious. The story you can't see. I'm doing air quotes. I'm sorry. Is split into three sections. The first section is about the dawn of man no wonder brucey likes this film so much just like the tree of life it has to go back thousands of years to tell the story this comprises of actors dressed in monkey suits that have not aged well at all pissing about a bit and having a hard time eating anything then this big black stone pitches up the monkeys suddenly know how to survive and hunt and we fast forward two hundred thousand years uh, to a section um well, section number two I won't go into too much detail because there's not really that much detail to go into, but this big black stone is a reoccurring theme. To understand it, you have to do your own research. Uh, yeah, homework, uh, just what every great film needs. You find out that this is a monolith who rocks up to guide species on a journey when they are about to make a significant advancement. After the third section finishes, our protagonist is greeted by this monolith and I believe is sent on his way to the next evolutionary step of man, which results in him ending up as a giant space baby. Am I not mis- <laughs> Am I not correct, Alex? Uh, no, you're not. Okay. Right. <laughs> the ending is completely bizarre and reeks of a frenzied, drug-induced, last-minute completion. Hey, Stanley, do you have that script for us? Uh, yeah, hang on. Uh, dot, dot, dot. And he becomes a giant space baby. The end. Okay, there it, we go. Sorry, did you do research and is that what happened? <laughs> yeah. I read Stanley Kubrick's autobiography. <laughs> autobiography. And that's I was just, exactly I was what just it high says. and I didn't yeah. know what to do. Right. So the most interesting part of this film is HAL 9000, as we mentioned before which appears in the third section of the film the computer who decides to sabotage the mission to jupiter however instead of focusing on the actual interesting aspect of this film it plays out in the fraction of the time that it should and just like many of the other fragments of this film is never truly explained what were hal's motives we never really find out overall this film is a classic case of a director overindulging in his own massive ego well you know you've got 
probably too much to come back against there, especially, <laughs> you know, rimming bees, but <laughs> do you want to at least try? I'll do my best. Uh, Gav said that if you look up pretentious in a dictionary, well, I looked it up and it, there's not a picture of 2001 just to tell uh, listeners. Is it the tree of life? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, no, it's not either. Uh, it's attempting to impress by affecting greater importance or merit than, it, than is actually possessed. Yeah, okay? attempting. That is... That's the di- that's the definition of pretentious. Right, okay. Like, this is not at all pretentious because there is so much behind it. The story, Gav says, is non-existent. It's just not true. There's a great story to it. It's not completely obvious. Like, it's not... It's a, a pretty much a non-verbal film. You're shown far more than you sort of explain to you. But it's absolutely amazing. The monolith, it, it's very clear. I think Gav was, you know, oh, it doesn't really make sense. Absolutely does make sense. In fact, you know, Gav sort of explained it in a kind of derogatory way. Early man, the best sequence, I would say, of early man ever in cinema. Gav said, <laughs> Gav said, monkeys pissing about. I don't, I, I don't really remember a better sequence of man's consciousness than that sequence of, of early man, you know, becoming, you know, conscious and reasoning can you I've name another film in which that happens exactly can you no, but you're saying it's the best one but if you've only got well, right, let's say a choice of one only, i know because no one no one thought we can't do that it's already been done you know they probably thought so why people said actually from this film that it kind of like it was hard to make a sci-fi film almost after that people felt like it sort of broken the mold a little bit the legacy of this film i'll go on a little bit later but the story is fantastic you know it's about it's the best sci-fi for me because it's not it's sort of showing you a, a fantastical idea of how humanity achieved consciousness. But actually, it's kind of also quite thought-provoking and makes you think about maybe how that happened. It, it, they find the monolith uh, when the early man, and then they reach, you know, the monolith helps them become conscious, but helps them to develop tools. One of the first things which they do is kill to survive. Then nearly modern man, it's set a little bit in the future, is guided to the monolith on Jupiter, where they then go on from a mission, uh, sorry, to the moon, where they're then sent on to a mission and then they become the star child. Gav says space baby, I say star child. I think it's better. Where Where they become one with the universe. I just think that's a very beautiful, a very interesting way of looking at humanity. It's definitely better than what Gav's saying. Gav was talking about these these long shots. They're stunning. You know, this is they're iconic for a very good reason. The music's absolutely fantastic in this film. You know, Gav was saying it's just good music, but on its own merit, it's absolutely not true. You know, this the scene where it's like the space ballet with the with the Strauss going on when the the spaceship is flying through space is absolutely fantastic. It's just been replicated so many different times and i would say this film is the reason why there's so much classical music when films are set in space um i just the whole way it's shot is visually stunning gav said it was just visually stunning sort of like ran past it it's absolutely incredible it's way ahead of its time it was so scientifically accurate that people couldn't believe it when they looked after this film was done in 1968 a year before we landed on the moon and the like post the fact the amount of stuff that is so incredibly it's not dated at all it's so incredibly scientifically accurate it's so ahead of its time for example the idea of robotic arms being used in space the gravity people couldn't believe how accurate the zero gravity it uh, was in this film when they actually went up they'd never been to the moon and kubrick a year before it happened showed them on the moon and again people were just stunned by how accurate it was years later this film is just absolutely mind-blowing it's like i said before it's legacy and its effect on cinema 
will is still being felt. So when Gav says it's there's no story to it, it's not conventional. It's not the tree of life, but it's not conventional. It's it's a completely different film. Just because it's non-verbal doesn't mean there's not a lot to this film. I'll talk a bit more about it later, but I think I've said enough for the moment. All right. So Austin and Dave, I take it you've both seen this film? I have seen mm-hmm. this film, yeah. yeah. Okay, so my first question is... What do you think of the story? Did it kind of keep your attention? Would you say it's, uh, you know, something that you can watch and be interested in and want to kind of learn more and, you know, think about it? Like Alex said, it's thought-provoking, or do you think it's just very kind of, uh, you know, bollocks? (laughs) (laughs) You go first, man. Um, I'm not going to lie, it was a difficult watch. It's a beautiful watch, but it was a difficult watch. And I feel like... Me having a fast forward button did help through some of the uh, <laughs> some of the eighty eight minutes to keep my attention going. But it it is a beautiful watch. The story I think you can get there, but it's um it's a different way of telling stories. And you know, it's an old film. It's not it's not like you it's not like your Marvels where you're essentially force fed it. You've got to you got to pay attention. I think it pays off if you do. Um, so yeah, it's not not an easy not an easy story to follow, but worth it. Yeah, I agree. It's not an easy story to follow, um, but it is. I, I was mesmerised. I genuinely could not look away from it. I was. I, I, it drew me in. It's a very slow film. It's a bit of an anomaly for me. I don't normally go for slow films, and this is no doubt slow paced. Kind of plods along in, in its own time. Stanley Kubrick, you can tell, did not rush this in any way, shape, or form. But you know what? It didn't bother me at all. I didn't find myself clock watching. I was still transfixed by it. Uh, so, so would you say it's pretentious? I would say it's inspired a great deal of pretension since. I, <laughs> I think it's the groundwork for all pretentiousness. I think it's it's inspired a lot of mimicry that's not even come close to getting the depth of this film. There is depth here. It's not just shallow pretentiousness. There is really something beneath the surface. I do believe that. Um, but it has inspired a lot of uh, poor amateurs to try and follow it since. And um, <laughs> any in particular you think? I, no one jumps to mind at all right now. <laughs> and Austin, what do you think of the giant space baby? Well, <laughs> is it as ridiculous as Gav makes it's, it sound? Star Child, can we? <laughs> can we call it's, it Star Child? Well, it's hard to follow. It's pretty ridiculous. I see. Just fair, remember, I was there when you watched I know, this. Yeah, I know you were there. <laughs> I, I know your genuine yeah, reaction. You, you were there, just pushing him. Going. I was. I may have been led down a certain path, yeah. but I would probably have come to those conclusions anyway. And it's it's pretty ridiculous. But you've got to follow the. If you follow the rest of the narrative, maybe it's worth it's worthwhile. But the it's it's pretty crazy, you know, and it doesn't yeah. doesn't doesn't really look very good, <laughs> you know, as <laughs> part of the issue. I mean, I know it's an old film, so it's different effects and stuff. But um, what has better space- effects, the child that's the son in Teletubbies or the space baby? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, son, son. <laughs> son, I think. Okay, uh, that, that's all I need to know. Realistic. <laughs> space baby or sun baby? Is the star child yeah, the, in 2001 is space odyssey. Or just star. being compared to the star child. The baby son. Ulrich is spinning at high velocity right now. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> the pretentious grave. Is he doing it to music? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you're not supposed to make Stanley Kubrick angry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like him when he's. Um, okay, so Alex, do you want to crack on with your next point? Yeah, uh, I'd uh. agree with what Ozzy said. I don't think this is an easy watch, but it's also an extremely satisfying watch, and you also get a lot from it. Like I said, the ambition is to show the evolution in consciousness of mankind, which is not an easy thing to go to go ahead and do. And they did it absolutely perfect. You had Arthur C. Clarke, one of the finest sci-fi writers ever, co-writing this with Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick does not and did not in this film. He, he never t- takes his project, never took his projects lightly. And in this, he looked at every single little part of it and made it absolutely beautiful. Like I say. The, the music is amazing. The the sets are stunning. So much of it is just so much has been put into it that you just can't write it off. It's so compelling. Um, you know, Kubrick said that this film, because it's nonverbal, would be ambiguous. He didn't ever think it was going to be like a clear set story. And I know it's it's that tricky thing when you're saying when you start talking about you can take what you want from films. There's often that thing of well, is there anything to take from it really? But there is. I mean, there's so much discussion. There's so much you could discuss from this. I thought the Star Child it was not ridiculous. I thought it was absolutely beautiful at the end. And I think it's very for me, it was very clear that that's him becoming part of a universe. Some people might go that's nonsense, but for me that that seemed clear and it, it didn't ever I wasn't ever not sure about that. I know what I think about it. People can take what they want from it. You know, it's that good. It's good enough that you can do that. I was talking before about the legacy and you know its effect on like Lucas and Spielberg. I think it's fair to say if two thousand and one hadn't been made, many films that we love would not have been made. You know, I know it maybe opened up the work opened up the way for pretentious films, but it also made up the way it also opened up the way for sci-fi films. You know, it made them commercially successful. In 1968, although it came out with odd, you know, not great reviews at start, it got a cult following, and then it was the highest-grossing film of that year. There's a shot in the docking bay in the in 2001: A Space Odyssey, which is exactly, I mean, exactly the same as the docking bay in all the Star Wars films. Like to to the apps, it's like completely the same. The monolith itself howls soft tones when he's speaking. The ballet of a spacecraft going to Strauss. This is absolutely iconic cinema. You can't just write this off. This is just... When you think about cinema, 2001 A Space Odyssey is at its pinnacle. And, you know, it's again... I just love Kubrick. He ordered all the sets and props and blueprints after this film destroyed afterwards because he didn't want anything to be redone. He didn't want... They made a sequel eventually in 1984, which kind of just sank without a trace but in this was just one vision and he wanted it to be just that um i just want to talk a little bit about the characters as well and there's not that many but the ones that are done are absolutely fantastic you've got early man who as i said before kills for his own survival and then you've got the hal 9000 now you have to be a master right to make a light bulb one of the most terrifying villains villains a weird weird thing to say but one of the most terrifying enemies in cinema not only just terrifying but pathetic as well you need Kubrick to have made that you know that the lip reading section when they're starting to have doubts about Hal and what's going on is just so well shot and it's fucking terrifying uh, and then when he finally kills uh Poole and uh is it Bauer Bowen I've forgotten his name um, Bowman Bowman shit Bowman very, very memorable isn't he yeah 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 uh, Bowman has to go out <laughs> to collect him Again, using robotic arms way ahead of its time. Um, and then he has to sort of let go of his body to then go in and try and destroy Hal. 
And then Hal sort of switches and he starts pleading for his own life. And it's an incredibly moving part when he's, he's sort of fearful and then he's uh, angry. And then at the end, he's just begging not to be destroyed. And it all harkens back to this, what is consciousness? Man's given birth to a new consciousness and its first thing is to kill to survive, which makes you think about back to the early story when that's exactly what early man did to survive. It only attacks when it's threatened. So I, I just think so much of this film, if you could just, it's so iconic. And HAL 9000 is just one of the best to just look at this film and think it's one of the best villains ever made and all it is is a light bulb and a soft tones of his voice. That That is just stunning cinema. Do you agree, Gav? No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that... Why were you nodding? Um, well, I, I, I wasn't nodding, I was... He was looking at his light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Just panicking. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Fuck. So yeah, I wanted to talk about the characters as well, to be honest. And I'd start by saying what characters, because there aren't really any characters in it. How 9,000. So I'll get onto that, don't worry, Alex. So our main character is uh, Dave, uh, former uh, man, now giant space baby. He is an extremely bland character to the point of tedium. The only interesting interaction that he has in the entire film is the open the bay doors scene with Hal. And even then, it's over in the blink of an eye, unlike the rest of this very dull film. I, I don't know if it's Kubrick's direction bringing out the worst in the actor, as he is notorious for filming countless takes, or perhaps Keir Dullier. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, Dave. Uh, I'll go with that. I've gotten out yep. better. I don't know if he just gave up, uh, because he definitely looks like he's phoning in the performance throughout the entire thing. Frank is the only other character of note, really. Um, human character of note, I should say. His character is barely explored. At least with Dave, we know some sort of backstory. Frank is just a guy who's in the scene just to get killed, essentially. Simple as. When a character is killed off, the audience should feel something. I had no relationship with this character at all. In fact, I was quite glad when he was bumped off because the preceding seven minutes or so, it was just him breathing and it was really annoying. <laughs> so when he died, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not that bothered to be honest. Uh, finally, Hal 9000, as Alex said, it's the only decent character in the entire film. Uh, you know, it's the most human one as well. You know, oh, the not so subtle irony here. However, the screen time that Hal gets in comparison to the film's duration is just very, very limited. And, and even then, about five of those minutes are of him dying just very, very slowly. And by the time he's finally switched off, I was ready to switch off also, to be honest. Uh, it's, it, you know, Alex says about creating one of the most iconic villains of all time. It's probably so iconic because most of the other characters in it are just so forgettable and how it stands out because of that. Uh, you mentioned about this film being so iconic as well and inspiring other films. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, it probably did at the time, but if we were to go back and look at it, are we going to still hold it in the same high standards as we did in 1968? Yes. No, we're not, Alex, because there's been so many more advancements since then, and yeah, okay, it was a good starting block, but things have moved on. We shouldn't still be revering it in the same way that we did back in the 60s, because... I'm sorry, it's just not that good. Do you do you not think the visuals hold up today, like the the, the actual spaceships? Yeah, I think I think some of them do, to be honest, but some of them also don't. I mean, that whole end twenty minutes or so is is just terrible. That the whole scene of him traveling through like hyperspace saying, and, yeah, but, okay. and when he's aging and it's just okay, him in bad makeup and I then will, the space baby. Is. I'll be honest, the, the hyperspace bit 
is maybe a little long. There are periods, like I said, it's not an easy, easy, easy watch. And the and the bit at the beginning with with man, I don't think that was very good at all. It's stunning, but like the the, the last bit, obscure, <laughs> like the I, I thought like the hyperspace bit. Yeah, there were there are moments when you're like, okay, you know, ah, but you go with it, you enjoy it. Kubrick knows what, what he's doing. And that bit where he's actually in the room and he's sort of watching himself grow old, like he looks at himself and he sees some, an old man in the bed and then the next moment he's in the bed. I, I just thought that was so clever, so innovative. Even now it's just it's still innovative. I don't think it's... It, it's hard to recreate that just because it's so masterfully done. Mm, yeah, I think it could have been recreated by Kubrick just smelling the back of his own farts, to be honest, because that's essentially what he was doing. He was smelling a bag of his own farts. <laughs> Can you elaborate? He's obviously read that in the autobiography. <laughs> I don't think you read the right book. That was page number two. <laughs> this episode has had the best analogies of, of the entire Films on yeah, Trial back catalogue. Okay, so, okay, so uh, Ozzy and Dave, one thing I want to know is, it's something that I struggle with really, if a film leaves such a big legacy in terms of, you know, you can see the obvious references in other films to this film. Does it make it a good film? So do you think that this film deserves to be, uh, you know, kind of held with such uh, high esteem just because of the legacy that it's left behind? It's, uh, there's, some, there's some beautiful imagery. So I think read into that what you will. You know, everything Alex said is is right. The Star Wars docking bay is identical to mm-hmm. the um, to the Space Odyssey I spotted bay. that when I first watched yeah. it as well it's almost as though someone didn't destroy the uh, scene and just refound it <laughs> so, sold it to George Lucas yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and NASA well, I was going to say it might have come off from NASA might it? that might have been it you know everyone's buddies we need to reinvigorate the space age and, uh, <laughs> we're short of a few million pounds here guys let's uh if you go Let's back, get that conspiracy back on the yeah. go. If you go back and watch the original Moon Landing, you can just if you squint right at the very back, you can see a black monolith. <laughs> <laughs> I think to answer Joel's question, no, this it doesn't get a free pass just because it's inspired other films. But I think what what is the real merit behind this film? You know, no one called it their favorite Stanley Kubrick film when we went around the circle, and I don't think it is many people's favorite Stanley Kubrick film. But this is probably his best. Because this is a directorial masterclass, to be honest with you. The things he did with the camera work, the sets, the imagery, it is, even to this day, phenomenal. You still find yourself wondering, how did they do this? This came out in the late 60s. You do stuff, I was sat there thinking, how the hell did they get that shot? So it's almost like it's not been bettered since... It's it's a masterclass. I think I'm sure plenty of people have found different ways or yeah. easier ways to do what he did, more likely. But it is a masterclass. If anyone's got any doubt as to why Stanley Kubrick is regarded as one of the greatest directors of all time, check out some well, of the scenes. He's not very good at editing, though, is he? Here's <laughs> <laughs> a question for you. Half of that film. Do you think, like the average Joe, say if you sat down in front of The Shining, I think pretty much everybody would find that entertaining. Do yeah. you think the average person would sit down in front of this and find it entertaining? No, no. I think they would have walked away before the five minutes at the beginning where it was just a black screen. I disagree. I'd say... I'd say different people like this. I don't don't know who the average... In fairness, I went to the fridge three times. Like I said, I don't really go for slow films. (laughs) Isn't that normal? (laughs) (laughs) It's not about the film, was it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't tend to go for for slow films, really. But um, this kept me mesmerised, to be honest with you. 
So make of that what you will, to be fair. Okay, so I think we'll uh, we'll go now to the closing statement. So you've each got a minute. So Gav started, so Alex, you can go first with your statement. Okay. Uh, just visually incredible. The story is fantastic. It's completely unconventional, but it's regarded... I mean, the plaudits for this film just are beyond belief. You know, I know, you, I know your point when you're talking about just because it's influenced so many films does that make it a good film no but on its own merit this is an incredible film it's never been it was never done before it's never been done since and that's because it broke a mold and people don't it's almost like it it did exactly what it set out to do and it couldn't be emulated hal 9000 is an incredible character the whole film not an easy watch i wouldn't say not one that everyone will go for but one that just stands out as one of the best sci-fi films ever made I, I i just think this film is beautiful from start to finish and i think dave said the best word for it it's mesmerizing and if you get into this film you will be mesmerized and i think everyone i don't think the average cinema guy i think most people can like this film it just depends on your taste <laughs> <laughs> sorry man that was a generous minute to be fair no 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 no. that was a minute that was a minute was it yeah, yeah. it felt long did you, wish Stanley, like <laughs> did you wish Stanley Kubrick's editors had a gong? <laughs> oh, sugar butty, sorry. Uh, okay. All right, ready, go. Ah, all right. Okay. <laughs> this is a classic case of cinema being confused with art. It is a very beautiful film in parts, but I'm sorry, if you're going to make a two and a half hour film, then you need to have a lot more than just nice imagery and music. If that's all you're after, then go and check out an installation at a modern art gallery. It'll probably be just as slow, punishing and unrewarding. This film is just far too long. It's pretentious and it's boring. The only reason we're still talking about it to this day is it's because of its striking visuals. But even they become tedious very quickly due to Kubrick's drawn out and slow direction. The story is minuscule and convoluted. If you have to do extensive research after watching a film to figure out what the fuck just happened in it, then it's not a good film. The characters are very bland and almost non-existent, and the ending is awful. Kubrick tries too hard to mess with your mind, and before... Oh, <laughs> sorry, I'm good. Uh, tried to mess with your mind, and it just ends up a convoluted mess, and the ending is just laughable. Much better sci-fi films were released before this, and better ones have followed. This is nothing special, and it shouldn't be placed on a pedestal. In my opinion, it's no better than Southland Tales. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> but at least Southland Tales had the rock, so. <laughs> All right, well, uh, someone's I'm, got a quiz. A very, 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 very long awaited quiz. I'd just quiz. like to yeah, say, yeah. Gav, I'm so pleased you re listened to our Tree of Life podcast. That was, that was <laughs> Dave's <laughs> final argument. <laughs> word, <four> word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway i do have a quiz this week an actual quiz i prepped two quizzes just in case one of them fell through and one of them did fall through because i didn't prep it quite enough <laughs> um so i'm just going to save it for another stanley kubrick film because i'm sure there'll be one in the uh, in the works so uh 2001 space odyssey is uh as we've discussed today is renowned for you know its futuristic concept and all of the predictions that it made and you know, some of them it got right some of them it didn't get right um so I was originally going to do things that it got right. You got to we go through everything it predicted, and I thought that's not really film related. So instead, you guys are going to tell me what the top ten films of two thousand and one were. Top, oh, good and one. if you get there is one film in particular, and if you get it, you win the quiz. Okay. <laughs> so the rest of it's not needed. <laughs> well, pretty just, much, just go for that one. So film. basically, you've just got to pick that one film that I think is going to be. That's the winning film. God, okay. What came out in 2001? Uh, uh, is Gladiator um, 2000? I thought Gladiator was 2000, yeah. 
Uh, what about uh, The World Is Not Enough? <laughs> the World Is Not Enough uh, is in there, but it's not the one that um, The Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is right up the top, but it's uh, the second top. Perfect. Uh, this is the, the film I want you to pick is not the top film, by is the it, way. Okay. Is it Triple X? Do you want us to pick Triple X? <laughs> no, but good, good choice. <laughs> um, uh, f- Spider-Man? Spider-Man is not in the top 20, and that's the only ones I've written down, sorry. Oh, so. I, I imagine it wasn't released then. Um, is it something to do with The Rock? What about uh, Welcome to the Jungle? Was that... No, right no, now? this is way before. Well, what about The Scorpion King? Did that come out in 2001? Is it? Well, I'm going to give you it, but it's actually The Mummy Returns, so oh, you can okay. have it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. You win. <laughs> Dave wins the quiz. Well done, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. Just, just go straight for the rock, if and yeah. that. You know. Just for prosperity, state the top, the top ten here is Harry Potter, Philosopher's Stone, Lord of the Rings, Pearl Harbor, Ocean's Eleven, Beautiful Mind, Mummy Returns, with the, with our favourite, Dwayne Johnson, Mulholland Drive, Don, Donnie Darko, eight, Spirited mm. Away, and then Legally Blonde. There you go. Just top like films of two thousand and one. Nice. Just like in a zombie apocalypse, if in doubt, run to the rock. <laughs> <laughs> So, Joel, would you like to wrap things up, please? Uh, not really, to be honest, because I, I'm a little bit undecided. Yeah, do you to tell you some facts about 2001? Um, <laughs> Just tell us more yeah. about The Rock. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, please don't. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is very difficult, because I think um, both sides had good points that I agreed with. Um, and I'm not really kind of swaying one way or the other, to be honest. I think, like, some of the points that I liked were uh, what Alex said about kind of, um, you know, the how the film almost kind of comes full circle and kind of goes uh, to show, like, uh, you know, the, the basic instinct of man is that it's like a survival story. Uh, obviously, the, the legacy that it's left behind is, is, is pretty much undeniable, especially for for a sci-fi fan like myself. And, um, you know, a lot of the scenes in there are very thought-provoking, but then, you know, some of the points that Gav made as well about, you know, kind of the lack of dialogue, the how the f- slow the film is, and, you know, it is very, very, very freaking easy to um, to lose kind of attention, which I think is a bit of a killer for, for most people. And, you know, I was kind of touching on something when I asked Dave if the average person would enjoy this film and i don't think they would personally but you know it does blow my mind when i think back to whenever this was released 1960 something 68 68 you know it does blow my mind when i think that it was made then because that is seriously impressive to have uh, kind of the visuals and all the sequences and um you know just to kind of have the uh kind of sheer will to to push through all those scenes so i think that's kind of what edged it if it hadn't have been made in 1968 i probably would have put it on the shit list but just because of that i'm gonna put it on the hit list wow wow squeaked in there yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for that joel uh, genuine opinions alex i mean do, do we need to ask no that that is my opinion i thank fuck we put 2001 a space odyssey on the hit list <laughs> like, Jesus i think christ. it was touch and go i know me too <laughs> i'm like christ i yeah. put up a good fight I'm, i must i must say then, what, was, what do you think i yeah I'm, I'm you know i appreciate that it's a great film but I, I don't think it's one of the best made ever i don't even think it's kubrick's best ever uh, but you know i, I do appreciate it's well, like, I'd say it's really well made. I, I, if I'm honest, there are times when I'm a little bored watching it. J- just moments when I am appreciate yeah. it, but when you're just a bit like, mm. 
let's you know like the space ballet when the ship's yeah, coming yeah. in and it's spinning mm, yeah, yeah. is a bit like fuck me let's, just long, let, let's get her in just, a little just, you know just long, yeah. but I feel like a bit of a philistine saying that because mm. it is so good <laughs> well, you sta- are you are I stand by what I said directorial masterclass it yes. really was phenomenal what but, he achieved but he genuinely could have cut all of that stuff down by like half could have been 44 minutes of mm. no dialogue and you'd still be alright but then that's Kubrick doing what Kubrick maybe yeah, yeah. maybe knew what he was doing if you took it out maybe it would be a different film so you got to yeah. trust Kubrick yeah, of course. Well, well, have you guys ever heard of Alex North, by the way? The poor man composed an entire original score for this film, all of it, and only to find out at the premiere that his score had been dropped and oh Kubrick, <laughs> and Kubrick <laughs> had gone for the music of Strauss and other Seriously? people. Yeah. Oh, my God. Seriously. I mean, I just thought, I, suppose, I just thought oh. a bit of trivia for you guys. <laughs> no one, yeah, that's why no one's heard of him. So anyone listening out there, please spare a thought for Alex North. <laughs> I wonder what it sounded like. Well, not good. I actually so. think it's been released. I think it was released. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> what was it? Bees? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the, what the fuck was that analogy again? Bees and wet glasses being rimmed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Laughing at the word rimmed. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, moving on. I feel like a 15-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> right, higher or lower than our previous film on trial, Romeo and Juliet. Higher. What was the fucking score? <laughs> 6.8 out of 10. <laughs> Higher. Yeah, 8.5. Oh, uh, 7.3. Higher, 7.7. Uh, 8 on the mark. Okay, you're all right. It is higher. <laughs> I know, it's amazing. Uh, 8.3. Oh, wow. So, I, I wasn't even listening. Whoever. <laughs> so, well done. Okay, before we close this one off, it's time for another caption contest. So, I take a still of the film and I put it on Twitter and ask our friends and followers to provide a caption to go with it. And the winner is decided by these gents here. The winner actually wins a lovely frog-shaped chocolatey treat. Can I just check? Have you been sending them I have, I have sent oh, yeah. uh, all of them apart from the last one out. No, it's okay, because I uh, just... I know. I've been gathering up Freddo's. <laughs> I, know, I, I know, I know, mate, don't worry. <laughs> I, 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 knew, I knew you were, so I decided to take over Freddo's sending responsibilities. <laughs> Alex actually sent one out as well. So Alex did? Yeah, I know, yeah, can you believe that? Wow. I know. Anyway, right, <laughs> so the, the still that I've taken from this film is the bit right at the beginning where a guy in a monkey costume is hammering the shit out of a skeleton <laughs> with a bone. Um, so you guys have just got to decide which of these captions is the funniest, starting with... Man, these foodies are getting way out of hand with this naturally produced bone marrow appetizer. <laughs> uh, number two, I said dicks out. <laughs> um, okay, I don't know. Uh, okay, the next one. Uh, oh no, where did the body go? Uh, okay, uh, next one is we are sex bob and we are here to make you think about death. <laughs> um, Okay, the next one is, I really wish I would have read this beforehand, Beating a Dead Hydrocotherium. Hydrocotherium. I, I, I imagine that's I, really funny. It's probably as well. Sorry, sorry Besotted Geek. Yeah. We're all, it's in the delivery. Yeah. Yeah, We're they all may, adults. They may not listen to the podcast, otherwise they'd know that wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to get that, come no, on. Come lower, on. lower. The tone. Um, anyway, we, we want more about dicks being out. <laughs> Even if we don't get a joke. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the next one. Uh, dear, if you just tender that... Sorry, sorry, I'll read that again. Sorry. Dear, if you just tenderize the meat a little before cooking, it turns out much more delicious. <laughs> okay, the next one. I'm waking up. I feel it in my bones. Enough to make my systems blow. Welcome to the new age. <laughs> to the new age. Welcome to the new age. Okay, yeah. Very funny. Uh, the next one. Extra, extra, extreme prejudice monkey man kills creature for having a massive underbite. <laughs> 
Uh, the next one. I can feel it coming in the air <laughs> Okay, um, there's Bobo beating a dead horse again. Uh, oh, here we go. Here's a good one. This is what happens when you try and fuck a stranger in the ass. <laughs> Jesus. What? Wow. I, I love the way you, you prefaced that with, this, this is, is a good one. This is a great one. It's a big Lebowski. It's a big Lebowski. It's, it's uh, John Goodman, where he's, he's smashing that uh, Lamborghini or, or Ferrari. Uh, Rose, Roseanne is banned from captioning this. I don't know what that means. That come from Alex. <laughs> and the, the last one, my go-to for a bit of stress relief... No, 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 I don't have any finish reading that, to be honest. <laughs> do you want to do it and I'll beep it out if it's Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beep. Yeah, beep, beep that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right, you guys have got to decide which is the best one there. Uh, I'm a music lover. I give it to either the Phil Collins or Imagine Dragons one. Oh, I was thinking uh, Phil Collins or Sex Bob I like Phil Collins. Yeah, we'll go with Phil Collins, shall we? Yeah. Okay, congratulations to our good friends, the IMDB Journey podcast. Oh, they've yeah. they got better Freddos than us I anyway. I know they have, but we're doing a Freddo exchange. I mean, they never send us one over. <laughs> <laughs> but we keep on sending them. Just our poor man's Freddos, just normal milk chocolate, which they probably don't even bother eating. They probably just laugh and feed to their dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feed yeah, the do chocolate not feed them to the dogs, the dogs <laughs> under any circumstance. Maybe the kangaroos they'll feed them. <laughs> right, okay. So thank you very much, everybody. Uh, so it's been a very good episode. I feel uh, just before we we call it a, a goodbye, <laughs> call it a goodbye. That's a new thing. Uh, I just wanted to give a little promo for some of our friends, uh, the Movie Geek and Proud podcast. So you can catch them on Twitter at MGNP Podcast. So yeah, just wanted to, to shout out and um, send a recommendation their way it's a, it's a blog that was turned into a podcast it's all about films it's hosted by Rob and an assortment of his friends over the weeks um, they cover a variety of, of films both new and old across all genres and it's really really funny to be honest I, I really like it it's very informative as well there's just a, always a great discussion between all of the friends and new episodes come out every Wednesday so please do check them out okay so before we say goodbye we have drawn i would say draw the next film out of the hat but we haven't really because we've decided what it's going to be because we are going to be starting october we thought we better revisit one of our old friends uh, which is the halloween horror month so that means each week in october each one of us is going to pick out our one of our favorite and most underrated horror films and we're going to put it on trial so the first week of ha- halloween horror month is it's going to be you austin me, yeah, so me. you have decided to go with what and why I have gone with uh, Hocus Pocus. Kind of why? <laughs> because it was maybe the only horror film, you know, arguably horror film that I've ever seen. I mean, it came out when I was six. It was pretty scary, and I've not watched horror films since. So you know, it's had a lasting effect on me. Um, <laughs> And yeah, and I, I didn't really want to go for anything too scary. I, I so, so straight on. I, I want to break myself in gently. It's a great choice. It's a different direction. I like yeah, it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's okay. Halloween through and through. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I took the horror label, you know, liberally. Yeah, yeah. You, but you took the Halloween one <laughs> yeah, yeah. very, very... I went yeah. with that yeah. fully, yeah, yeah. Okay, so thank you very much for that, Ozzy. We have pulled the rest of the roles out of the hat at random. In the role of prosecution is going to be me. Uh, in the role of character witness is going to be Joel and Brucey. And that means that Captain Dave is going to be the judge. So with the return of Halloween Horror Month, we know what that means, guys. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's right, the return of the... <laughs> 
horror soundboards. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Um, you can get all of our back catalogue and all of our future contents on any podcast platform or on our website, filmsontrial.co.uk. Check us out on Twitter, at Film Trials. Also check out our friends and collaborators at the underscore quirks that's winston sang our graphic artist and at aussie ray that's austin ray our music producer uh why not also check us out on instagram facebook and youtube films on trial so this week 2001 ended up on the hit list we will be in your ears next week for halloween horror month and hocus pocus goodbye everyone <laughs>